Don't you, don't you love that alarm sound? Like waking up all over again. Good morning. Can you all hear me okay? All right. How about we start with a psalm? Psalm 103. My soul, bless the Lord, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. My soul, bless the Lord, and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not, he will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes, and its place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is towards those who fear him and his righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember to observe his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all his angels of great strength, who do his word, obedient to his command. Bless the Lord, all his armies, his servants who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, and all the places where he rules. My soul, bless the Lord. Amen. Let's just pray right now. Father God, thank you for all that you do and, uh, we do want to bless you. We pray that our lives would be blessings to you. The uh, the blessings that you've brought to our lives are abundant and and many, and we just thank you for that. We thank you for all the works that you've done. Thank you for all the works we can look back through Scripture and see throughout history uh, that you've been doing to bring us uh, back into your family. Lord, I thank you for the works we can look back in our lives and see you working in our lives to bring us closer to you, and I just praise you for that. Father, uh, I pray for this service this morning. I just pray that you would be with us here as we um, gather together to hear from you, to worship together, to fellowship, to do the things that you've asked us to do and to be your church. Father, uh, I just pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. There is an announcement I want to get out before I go sit down, and that is that next week is third Sunday, just as a reminder. So we'll have a fellowship meal and a bonus session after the meal. So don't forget to bring some food to share with everybody next week and uh, be prepared to stay after that for the bonus session. All right. Thanks.
there's no one else to talk to who do i turn to oh no one wants to listen who do i lean on when there's no foundation stable i go to the rock i know he's able i go
now we get to do something fun. We, we're going to look at the spiritual world around us, that invisible world that uh, is filled with God's creatures that are uh, in, in our area, in our, in our world, in our uh, homes, in our places of business, when we travel, when we, all the things that we're doing. That is um, the reality that we, that we have that sometimes maybe gets passed over. So we're going to spend a little time on that. So the spiritual world and you, dimensions, that's part of what we're dealing with. The invisible world is not the same as the physical world, the material world that we live in. So those beings that live in that realm are slightly different. They look different they can do things we can't do they interact with us they're watching us we are told that they are keeping uh, tabs they keep notes they are aware of us and the things that we're doing in this world and what God is is uh, accomplishing in the in the process so here's dimensions there there's you there's God and you you know typically if you're if you believe in God and you're, you're going, oh, yeah, I get that. There's a God out there. Okay, well, he's in a different dimension. He's mostly unseen unless he reveals himself in some way. So that that's part of that dimensional reality. But he has other beings, other creatures that he's he's created, and they are out there with him and have been way before any of the humans came along. And that's uh, another realm. And so we'll... Those are the angels. We've got angels out there. We have some demons, another, uh, that's a rebellious group turned against God, but spiritual beings nonetheless, they are out there. And then there's another group, and that's the glorified group. Those are human beings who have moved into their heavenly home, and they have already received glorification. So all of those beings exist uh, we know we're here and god's there and then these other beings that are around are uh, interacting participating in in our world in in a in amazing ways so let me take you just just in a quick fashion to some historic things in the past God divided up the nations after the Tower of Babel, and he assigned different uh, beings, these, these divine beings, responsibility for geographical areas to be with these people. And so they scatter around the world, and they failed to keep the people's worship, their attention, their leanings on the one true God. As a result of that, he was dealing with them, and we are told that he is uh, going to hold them responsible. They are accountable to God for failing to follow through in taking care of the people. And that's to provide justice, to guide them in truth and love, and to worship the one true God. They decided they wanted worship for themselves. So the gods that you've heard of in mythology and history all played a part in that. So what did they do? And and how did they do it? We, Cass and I were just down in Cancun, so we visited some ruins and some of their 
stories were told there at Tulum. So we heard a little bit about that, or reminded of that. So how do you keep the, uh, the plants growing? How do, how do you keep, you've you got to have crops. Around the world, you have to have something to eat. So people have to have the weather cooperate. Well, let me tell you, 2,000 years ago, plastics were not a problem. Their diesel engines did not create the pollution that we have today. How is it that they had weather problems? Just, just asking. How is it possible that there were times of drought, times of heat, times of flooding, times when the crops produced because the weather cooperated and times when it didn't? They decided it was the gods. They didn't have plastic. They didn't have the motorways, they didn't have the autos, they didn't have production that we do. But there were still weather problems. They sacrificed, in that particular culture, they sacrificed people. So they would take them to their gods, they would cut their hearts out. Here, this ought to make you happy, and it rained. And, or what it was supposed to do. Around the world, that's the kind of things that were going on. Uh, with Moloch in the Middle East, they would take their babies and sacrifice them into the heated arms of that god and in order to get things to work their way. So do the gods have anything at all to do with weather? They do. God assigned them these sections of the world, and so they could control little micro parts. What about God himself? We're told that during a particular time, Elijah, dealing with Ahab and Jezebel, talks to the Lord and says, no, you know, the Lord's leading him, and he says, uh, no more rain for them. Let's just turn it off. So for three and a half years, they didn't get any rain. When God said it's time, the rain came. Does God control it, or is it our massive amounts of plastic? And not that that's not a problem. I'm just telling you, there are spiritual realities that get passed over quickly, and they do play a part in how our, our world works. There are spiritual realities that impact the lives of people nationally, internationally, in homes, when you're driving down the road, when you're at work, wherever you may be, and they are playing a part in your life right now. They're everywhere. God is the one who's everywhere present, but these can individually be in different places, these beings. So, how in the world do we know that? Well, Scripture tells us there's a lot of this, and we're not going into all of it, but let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to draw some things from there. And beginning in verse 1, you are surrounded. And he's... in. The writer of Hebrews is bringing this to this point. He's, he's laid out a bunch getting up to this point, up through chapter 11, which is fantastic. Feel free to read it this week. It's good stuff. But here, 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Now what? You're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. 
He's just gone in chapter 11 talking about the heroes of the faith, people who have lived this life, trusted God, and how they live that life out. And he says, now we've got these huge, this huge crowd of witnesses to, to how this thing works. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips, trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So there's sin, there are issues in our lives, there are bad attitudes, there's wrong thinking, and it trips us up. It keeps us from trusting him or going his way of, of leaning on his reality, of even knowing that there's a spiritual world and that there are spiritual beings influencing the world around us. We don't, we just move on. He says that trips us up. We're going to miss it. We're going to miss out on the very things that he has for us because we are not living the life of faith. Run the race that God has set before us. What race is that? Well, it's whatever I choose. It's, it's my decision, what I major in in college. It's my decision which job I take. It's my decision how I live my life and how I make my money. It's my decision how I spend my money. It's my decision who I marry. It's my decision where I vacation. It's my decision what books I read. It's my decision what music I listen to. It's my decision. And he said, yeah, and what trips you up? What is the race that God has put before you? No clue. No clue. I'll just keep doing my thing in hopes that that works out. And God said, I've given you information that is valuable for you to know so that you can live the life that is available to you, the life of faith, so that you can live this life out fully. I've given you that. You are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. So let's get rid of the other stuff and run with endurance the race God has set before us. So who's in the crowd of witnesses? Who is in the crowd? Now, this is... Check out your uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22... We'll just get on down there and check this out. There's a uh, bunch of illusions and imagery and uh, spiritual talk going on in the whole book of Hebrews, but this is part of that. And at this point, he says, You've come to, the, to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. That's verse 22. You've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. When you read chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, you'll come across Abraham. He's living by faith, and he is, he is recorded there because he did do that. He, he walked with God. So as a result of that, we have some information about him. One of the things we are told is that he left his city, Ur, takes his wife, goes to a place God shows him and has no idea what's about to happen. Lives in a tent. Lives, he leaves the city. He is 
in his 70s, so we're, we're getting up there, you know, he, he hasn't had his son yet, so the whole family thing is still unfolding. We've got a guy who has now gone to a place that is unfamiliar. He didn't stop at 65 and collect his retirement. He moved on, walking with God, and he is now looking to see what it is that God may have for him. And we are told he trusts God. He he's he goes through all of when you read through his story, all the things that unfold. What does Hebrews eleven say? He's looking for a city whose builder is God. Now what? Yeah, the builder is God. Well, he never got there. Yeah. Hebrews said that. They didn't receive everything that God said because it's not all in this lifetime. It's coming. What did we just read in 22? You've come to Mount Zion. That's where the temple is in Jerusalem. To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Not the earthly one. These are, this is spiritual talk. It's imagery. It's letting us know this is God's home. This is where his, his will is done. The city of the living God built by him. That's what Abraham was looking for. Lo and behold, here we are told in 22 that that's the case. To countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Wow. Okay, now we, now we have these angelic beings. And, and the angel, angelic beings are made up of, of different creatures. The uniquenesses that you see among human beings also exist among, among the heavenly beings. There are different kinds, seraphim, cherubim. There's all different kinds of creatures, the, the elders. We've got people who are in heaven who are, um, like Abraham, have been there for a while. They got there before us. So we've got them. Well, that's the next part of this. The, the angels are in a joyful gathering. Verse 23, you have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. You know, wow. I'm, I am so excited to get there. He's not talking about then. He's talking about now. He's writing to these people who are alive at this time in the first century, and he says, you have come. Is this to come? Is there more to come? Yeah. Is it out there? Yeah. As a child of God, are you part of this now? Yeah. Who's the great crowd of witnesses? All of them. They're all there. And they're all observing, participating, and cheering for you to live a life of faith. Not a fake life. Not a pretend Christian life. Not a, I don't get it. I don't want to spend time with God. I just want to get it. I just don't want to go to hell. So get me out of that. And give me all the good stuff. Make my life comfortable and I'm, and I'm going to hold God accountable. I'm going to hold him accountable. If he doesn't do it the way I'm comfortable with, then I have the right to reject him, to be mad at him, to just 
frown, to come, come apart at the seams. I just have a right because it didn't work my way. Read through the book. Read through chapter 11. And those people who were sawn in half and joyfully went into the presence of the Lord never complained. Never complained. That's faith. We've been called to come to him by faith to enter into his presence. And we are surrounded by other beings who are keeping an eye on all of this as it all unfolds. Because he wants us to win. We have enemies, spiritual enemies who want to take us down. We have physical material ones. There's plenty. You read You can read the papers or listen to the news, and that's going on. But behind that, there are spiritual enemies who are attacking and leading people astray. And he is, and they are interested in dragging us down as much as possible in our time in this world. We have been brought already, already. To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to countless thousands of angels and a joyful gathering, to the assembly of God's firstborn children. And the word assembly is ecclesia, which is the word translated church. So this is the church of the firstborn in heaven. We are part of this group already because we're children of God. Does that impact now? Yeah, that's why he's saying this. So how should we live if that's the case? How, how should we live with the eyes of heaven's beings on us? What would that look like? If heaven's beings are keeping an eye on us, and they are, and they, they take notes, and they give them to the Lord, and they have conversations, and there are meetings that take place, Again, these, these are scriptural, and you can, you know, we just don't have time to get to the, all of those. But when those meetings happen, people's names are brought up. You are known. And how you handle life is known. Your attitudes about every word you speak, we're told in Matthew, will be held accountable. So do you have any just loose words? bad attitude, less than encouraging things you've said, you will hear those again. Because everything will be held accountable. Does that mean we don't have a way out? Now, Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. And when we trust him with that, and when we walk in faith, those things are paid. They're gone. What if we decide, no, you know what? I want to do it my way. Then we will. And we get to answer for it. Because there's justice. And God is a judge. And he's the perfect judge. And justice will roll down. He will take care of those things. How should you live with the eyes of heaven heaven's beings on you well it comes to faith it comes to trust so trust 
We trust the Lord. We trust his truth. We trust what he says to us. We trust the promises he's given us, the hope that he's given us, the direction that we can live, the goodness that he wants to bring into our lives, the power that he wants to bring our way. All of that, we trust him. That's an important part of this. And that means we're we're confident, confident in him, and we are reliant. We rely on on him, on his provision, on his truth, on his leadership, on his guidance. Uh, I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand. I can be confident in him. I trust him and the direction that he's going to take me. So the trust thing is a huge factor in this, as well as obeying, doing what he says. When he's given us direction, scripture gives us direction, or he speaks to us in another way. We are faithful to follow through. We, we are people of faith who actually do what he's told us to do. And we are loyal to him. Not loyal to every fad that comes down. Not loyal to every group of people who seem to be popular. Not loyal to our own feelings. Always looking for something else. We're loyal to him and him alone. That is what the people of faith have done, Hebrews chapter 11. And that's why they're held up for models for us. And we are to follow in their footsteps and to recognize that God is is doing some great things. And and he includes not only chapter 11, the people who have lived uh, well and lived by faith, but also those who are still loyal to him in the heavens, not the rebels, but the heavenly beings who live in heaven, and he's assigned them to be part of our lives, part of the church's existence, so that they participate with us in, in this life. And they're keeping an eye, eye on us, and they rejoice when we make right choices and we go God's way. That's why it's such joy when we are his children and we are in that city. So loyal to God. That is a, uh, it's a challenge in heart, mind, actions to choose God over all those other things that rise up in us, to choose his way when everything else in our heads and everything else we hear from people or the pressures, the things that we'll bring up, like, man, you don't know how tough it is for me, uh, which we share with one another. You, you don't understand what I've been through. Well, the living God actually does. Not only him, but those angels on assignment that have been keep, keeping notes actually know. They know the attitude. They know our minds. They know where we been and yet we will come at that and go well i'm going to make my own decisions my own way and i'm going to behave how i choose because this is my heart and my heart's been wounded my mind's made up and i'm going this direction and god says you can go that direction but the peace of god the provision of god the the purpose of god will be missing And we go forward, but not in faith. 
And we take on whatever's out there. But now we don't have the Holy Spirit to help us because we push him out of our lives by disobedience, our lack of loyalty to God. So he's stepped aside and lets us do what we want to do. The angelic forces that could be on our team are now stepped back and said, you want to go with the other guys? There they are. And you'll read in Scripture where Paul, here are these people who are unrepentant in the church. How does he respond to that? Turn them over to Satan so that they can learn. You go, wow, the other team. See how that works? He's saying, I've got resources available for you. You don't even see them. And they are available for you to strengthen you, to encourage you, to guide you if you come to me in faith. Trust me. Go my way. Listen to what I'm telling you and let that penetrate your heart, your mind, and your actions. So that now that becomes part of who you are. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, he becomes uh, the guide, the model, penetrating. It goes all the way through us, whether it's at home or you're alone or with your family, walking in faith, trusting him, speaking properly, adjusting bad attitudes, at school, work, traveling, enjoying entertainment. So we had a lot of people just kick the Lord out right about there. Well, I'm just going to do, yeah, that's what I like, that's what I like to read, that's what I like to listen to, that's what I want to watch, or an event I want to go to, so I'm just going to, that's what I do. And the Lord says, if that's what you want to do, have some popcorn. He just steps over to the side, and off we go again. No resources from him, provision from him. His purpose is gone because we've decided, no, I think I'll just do this on my own. He says, I've got something better, something eternal, something that will make all the difference in your life. Just come with me by faith and go my way. So the things we take into our mind or our bodies, is that something we rely on the Lord for? Things we want to put in? So the things that we consume by reading or even the conversations we have with others what's the thing that puts us over the top what's the thing that is so exciting in a conversation what's the thing that draws you in and excites you no end sometimes it's not god sometimes it's not god's truth sometimes it's not loving sometimes it's twisted it's sometimes it's like I can hear something bad about another person, I feel better about me. People's ears just listen in on those kind of conversations. And he said, I've got something better for you. Everything that you take into your mind, everything that you're putting into your body, I have something, if you listen to me, the Lord's just saying, if you listen to me, I've got 
I've got something better. I've got something that will actually improve your life, straighten out your brain, get your body in gear, and move you forward. There's in the things that, that are said in conversations, the directions that we take with our lives. How, how do we encourage one another? That's what we're told to do, is to speak with grace in such a way that we encourage people toward the Lord. If they don't know him on all, we point to him so that they can know him. If they know him and we have conversation, we can encourage them in their walk with him. So we're moving people in that kind of a direction. Those are conversations that are helpful and not mean and not resentful and not ripping people to shreds. And we go with him because we're listening to his directions. We're going where he wants us to go, when he wants us to go, to speak to people in the way that he would have us go. And the prayers that we put into all of this, often our, our prayers aren't even in keeping with what God is, has in mind. They're just, this is what I want, this is how I want it to be, and if God doesn't come through and fix it this way, then he's not really in heaven, and I'm not even going to trust him. So we're back to a trust issue. We don't trust him. Now we're not loyal. He steps aside and says, go your way. Enjoy your life. Because now you cut off everything that's possible from the heavens, from the heavenly beings, the resources God has available. And we think in those prayers that we've really done something and he's going, that's not even, that's not even on track. If you pray according to my will, I hear you. I hear you, and you will be amazed at what I do as a result. You will be amazed. So our prayers require faith, require knowledge. It requires knowing him and trusting him. We are to trust him to be loyal to God when times are easy or hard. When they're easy or hard. Sometimes when it's nice and we have, it's 110 outside and we have air conditioning on the inside and we go, man, that is great. Now I can get in a car and I have air conditioning in the car. This is just great. Of course, if the air conditioning goes out, you go, where's God? What has happened? He hates me. I don't know how people lived all the centuries before, but somehow they survived it. There is God's goodness. And sometimes we can even... Just overlook those. We have food every day. We have a car or a way to have transportation, um, comfortable place to live, and and just miss the goodness of God in that provision. But there are times when, in the midst of that, we're healthy. We have uh, family around us, maybe that that healthy, and you know, in those moments. Is it so, so moving that we are thanking God moment by moment that we get to experience that? Because typically we just blow it off and move on because we we deserve something better, something more, something different. And then things change. Illness comes, accidents come, things change, and suddenly... Well, where's God? He's supposed to always keep it comfortable and nice. And he has failed me. 
Nowhere in scripture will you find comfortable and nice as God's obligation to you. Nowhere. He's called you to something more. And he's called you to a life that will be beyond comfortable one day. Not yet. One day. You're already part of a family in heaven as a child of God. You're already part of a family that includes heavenly beings who are participating in your life right here, right now. Also, the enemy's after you. So you can get sucked into their lies if you want. But the truth is around you. And God is offering his resources and his power. And he wants you to follow his purpose and fulfill uh, in this life all that he's designed you for which is just a beginning to the endless days that are coming. But it gets you ready. So loyalty to God when times are easy or hard, which is being loyal to God in all things, all your work, taking care of your home, your yard, your house, your car, paying the bills, all of those things, relationships, all around you, in your circle, your family, your friends, the people that you're connected with at work or in your community or in your church, all of it, be loyal to God in all those things, learning to, to walk with him with integrity in all that, all that we do, all that we face. So the application, maybe there, that was all application. But anyway, here's another one. The spiritual world in you. Remember You are loved. You are loved. You are part of this family that Jesus gave his life for. He's so desirous that you be part of what God is doing. He wants you to be part of this greater good. So remember, you are loved. Believe in your heart and with action. So believe deep within you. And then let that come out in your behavior, in the words words you speak, the things you do, the purposes you have, all of it, how how you live your life, how you do the things that God has given you to do. Be encouraged because you have a heavenly cheering section. They are pulling for you. They are pulling from you from the side of heaven, from that dimension. There are some on assignment here. Just in case you're wondering if it's your grandmother, probably not. These are angels who know what they're doing, and God has assigned them to participate and help us out. If family members get some, they're cheering, but they find out generally from the Lord and from these messengers, the angelic messengers who come, and they share that with the people in heaven. So they're still cheering for you and pulling for you, but they're busy. They got, they got things to do. And, and things to learn, because there's a lot more to learn. And they get to be a part of that. We are part of what God is doing in this world. And that 12 one, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance endurance the race God has set before us. And we do this. This is the loyalty part. 
We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. You see the words? Be loyal, be faithful, don't give up. Jesus didn't give up. He kept going. He endured all of that. So look to him and you won't give up. You won't become weary and go, well, you know, God doesn't, he's not making it comfortable. So I'm just going to quit. After all, verse four, after all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Other translation says you have not yet shed blood in your struggle against sin. So don't claim that we are equal to Jesus and we have really put in the effort. Not yet. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to his children, uh, to you as his children? My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you for the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure his divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip. With your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees, mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Work at living in peace with everyone. Work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai, for they heard an awesome trumpet and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you've come to the Mount Zion, to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, and the countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the life that we have because of you. Thank you for the hope that we have because of what Jesus has done. Thank you for the future secured in heaven for us. Thank you for 
the angels on assignment here among us. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for reminding us we need to trust you no matter what. And Lord, I pray that each one here would make their own commitment to you right now, right here in this place, to seek you, to follow you, to be loyal to you no matter what. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have a a song coming up from uh, a duet uh, from Rory and Joy. Joy had cancer. She's passed away now. And they had gotten married, and it's a cool story. Then they had a child, and the child is Down syndrome, special needs. And two years later, Joy passes away. And the process of all of that, because shortly after the birth, she found out about the cancer. She's going through all the treatments, all the things you know about. And she keeps trusting the Lord, and she keeps singing. And even at, toward, they live in Nashville, but toward the end, they're out on the farm. They even film a, they do a video and she's singing this song about when I'm not here. And you can check it out on YouTube. But it's powerful because of what she knew was coming and what she was going through, what the whole family's going through. But in this one, the two of them are singing, I surrender all. And uh, you'll kind of get a feel. That's true. So you can join and sing if you'd like.
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.